this is uh, just talking about all things are possible, right? When he says all things are possible, where are the limits? There's no limits, amen? <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? And so I think it was Wednesday, I get a call, and uh, that's a guy who's been following um, on the East Coast, and um, I'd been praying with him on a couple other things, and and so he hasn't, because of COVID, he hasn't had steady work and different things like that, but God's doing his thing and, and paying the bills, and, and then uh, he called me, I think it was Wednesday, he didn't tell me this part though, he goes, hey, I didn't tell you this part, but I got this testimony. He goes, I had a $100,000 plus tax bill sitting over my head. And he goes, I would just every morning as I'm walking just go, thank you, Father, that that's paid. Thank you, Father, that that's paid. Now, here's what Scripture says. It says, what should we liken to the kingdom to? By the way, where's the kingdom? Within. So the kingdom is not come by observation, meaning you can't see it, right? It's the secret place. It's all those, we were just talking about that. The secret place, all these scriptures, all these references are something to deal with you. It's, it's inside every, all of those stories. So anyway, uh, he goes, I just kept seeing it as if it was done, seeing it as if it's done. And he says, what should we like in the kingdom to? It's, it's like a, the garden and we can plant seeds, right? And then he says, we know not how, but we go to sleep, right? We just go to sleep. So how much doing is when you go to sleep? That's why I'm not big on the all-day prayer meetings and tonguing, and I'm just like, go to sleep. Read your book, right? It says, go to sleep. And we know not how, but you'll see it. First the blade, then the ear, and then the full corn, but you will receive the harvest. So he goes and he interviews for this sales position he's going to take. So he's going for a job interview, and, uh, and the guy goes, so he's telling him his situation. He tells him the whole truth, everything going on, and he goes, you know what? I got a great tax attorney. I'm going to settle this debt with you. I'll pay it all. Now, how's that? Is that cool or is that cool? Now, what a weird place to get it, right? You're going for a job interview, and he goes, you know what? I just feel like I'm supposed to take care of this for you. And he took care of it. Amen? So when he sees it, so here's, here's what I'm trying to get across to you. What You and the Father are how many? There's one. There's one. Do we believe it? Hopefully. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. Because of separation theology, we, we really have a hard time with that. What do you mean we're one? Well, the kingdom's in you. Know ye not that you're the... The, the temple? So all the temple stories, all the, the Ark of the Covenant, all those different stories are written about who? You, right? It's written about you. Now, some of them going, well, it's written about Jesus. But Jesus says, yeah, but you're a joint heir with me. It's written about me. You and I are one, so it's really written about you. It's, it's a, literally a, it's, it's allegory of, of healing every part of you is really what it's all about. And so anyway, uh, uh, I just think that's really cool. Hey, he planted the seed. He's on his walk and going, you know what? I decided that this is what my life's going to be. I can see myself without uh, that debt hanging over my head, and I don't have to figure out how it's going to get done because the minute I've asked for it, he says, you have it, amen? So if I have it, I can't be trying to figure out how it's going to happen. Either I have it or I don't have it. Does that help you guys? So if you're wondering what's going wrong, then you don't have it. Keep your eyes on you have it because before you've even asked, you have it. This is the confidence we have in him. We ask anything, we have it. Amen? So if we keep our eyes on, we have it, the end result, then it works. Follow me? And you can't do it wrong. Because we would all, we would all say this, and we'll cover this more with scriptures to back it up. But, um, oh, we're digging into some Hebrew, too, on Yudhei Vavhei. That, that should excite some of you guys. In fact, I'm doing a, this will be interesting. I'm doing a, some Indian mystics tomorrow morning, a podcast on the Hebrew. Because they're like, man, we believe all this stuff. Isn't that interesting? 
So I go, well, the Bible does too. It's a pretty fascinating thing. So uh, anyways, that a cool testimony? I've got more, but I want, I want Ashley to share a couple things. So um, let's see. There's a mic here. Uh, this is... Mic three. There we go. Whatever you want to share. So some of you guys don't, um, you know, Ashley's part of the prayer team, and, and we just get some wild stuff, don't we? Yeah. And it always works. Great. <laughs> so whatever she wants to share, I know she's got, I knew you had something personal for some people here too. So anyway, this is Ashley. So I have a testimony, and then I have a couple things that have kind of come to me that I want to share with everybody. So... Um, uh, over Labor Day weekend, I was in California, got to go to San Diego with some girlfriends, and kind of was interesting how it all worked out. I was there for work anyway. They were going down to San Diego, and um, it was really important that I was there. God just worked it out, and I've been experiencing some pretty cool um, spiritual sight, and it's kind of strange, and so I'm just going with it, and uh, it, was a, it was a weekend of healing for the girls I was there with, and had a few messages that I shared, and, and it resonated, but there was one girl with us, and I could just tell she was, I could feel her uh, despair and hopelessness, and so one night, uh, we were ready for dinner kind of early. The rest of the girls were getting ready, and so I said, hey, why don't we go grab a dinner or drink before dinner? So just gave me an opportunity to talk to her, and I said, I just, uh, I see that you're super hopeless right now. You're just debilitated, hopeless, and um there's a lot of things you've been asking for, and you're just frustrated, and she just cried because she's just in that spot right now. And I just got the strong impression that I shouldn't try to give her a word of encouragement because I think sometimes when we're in that position, some, that can feel uh, diluted a little bit. And so what I said was, I'm not going to try to give you a, a message that is not genuine, and I understand where you're at, and I understand that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so I said, well... For whatever it means to you, uh, I will pray for you, and I will pray for you with my group. So we did. Uh, she's out of work right now because COVID has hit her industry pretty hard, and, and she's kind of lonely. And so Jen in our group said, hey, I see her getting a call from an industry colleague um, that gives her an opportunity. And Mike was like, California, California. I feel like something in California. I was like, well, we had this conversation in San Diego, so maybe that was part of it. So I saw her last night, actually, um, and she said, I wanted to tell you this in person. Two minutes after you texted me, I got a call from an industry colleague, and I've applied for a position out of San Francisco. <laughs> so that was so great. We were just so excited for her. Um, but I really feel like right now um, there are either people online or here that are experiencing that same debilitating hopelessness. And um, just want to encourage you not to give in to that. Um, that's a really hard cycle. It just spirals right down. And so if you need prayer, please contact Mike, or you can come talk to me. Um, but it's going to get better. I feel like specifically somebody who's remodeling their kitchen right now is dealing with that. I, there could be multiple people dealing with that. Um, and the other thing I was going to share... Darn it. I'm nervous, so I forgot. Uh, <laughs> it's just a really special time right now. And so meditate on that, everybody. It's a special time right now. I think for me and I think for everybody else, there's something going on. And if you're trying to come out of that, that state of 
being bummed out. Um, try to just think of, man, what would it feel like if whatever you wanted happened? Like, oh, isn't it so wonderful? Just dwell in that place. So if I think of the other one, I'll say it. Sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay. If it, if it comes to you, you interrupt me because it's important. It is important. Yeah. Shoot. I'm nervous. It'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, just just yell at me. Get okay. my attention. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Isn't that cool? Like we, it's uh, he's he's really real, guys. He's he's so much easier than we think him to be. And uh, you know what? Every one of you can do what we're doing. Like with the prayer team, it's not even a big deal. It's it's really just uh, learning to trust this thing in here, right? And and uh, he answers. You know, like, like I said, if you look at any of the prayer verses, it's always 100% assurance. It's always assurance when you go look at it. Because if he's my, if he's my husband and I'm the bride, now if you can't figure God out, always put it in a relational thing, whether it's husband-wife relationship or, you know, father, son, or daughter. And uh, if you wouldn't treat your husband, your, well, some of you guys would, that's the problem. But um, if you wouldn't treat your spouse or your kids that way, or... Usually it's the grandkids. If you can't have that, if you have grandkids, then would you treat your grandkids that way? And if you wouldn't treat your grandkids that way, then God, I promise you, the author of love does not treat anybody that way, even your enemies. Isn't that interesting? Oh, she got it. Cool. No, great. I knew it was important. I knew it was. So. Okay. There is somebody online specifically who uh, you are, your heart has warmed to this message and um, you're really afraid to believe it because you are afraid about the impact it's going to have in your personal life and in your business. Um, and you're looking for some confirmation that this is the right way to go. So here it is. Um, and I want you to know that once you embrace it and you start uh, kind of giving this other message to people in your life, the only result is going to be overwhelming, crazy love, and your business is going to absolutely explode with it. So uh, that person needs to know that. Yeah, awesome. Love it. Amen. <clears throat> I got some other testimonies, but I'll save them for uh, next week. So anyway, um, oh, this is the only one that's on. We couldn't figure out the other one. So anyway, uh, John 1030, if we go to the, the first slide here, because I really want to get to the Hebrews. So this is just all a little bit, little review. Jeff's confusing me. There we are. <clears throat> so John 10.30, I think we all accept this, don't we? That I and the Father are one. We all go, oh, yeah, 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 that's about Jesus. But then Jesus says in John 17.21, look at this, if we just keep going. And if you look at John 14, he talks about all this too. He says, in that day, and if you look at Scripture, the symbolism in Scripture, if, they, if it's dark or if it's night, if it's midnight, always implies what? You can't see, Right? Nicodemus comes when? At night. He comes in darkness. He can't see. So anytime you see morning star, the day, the, the bright, everything, it's like, oh, I got revelation. I can see. You know, Saul is killing uh, Christians in the name of God in one sentence. And then he sees a great light, and the light causes the scales to come off his eyes so he can see. Amen? And what did he see? Specifically, the Gentiles are in. Right? He was, he was going, no, these guys are out. And you mean, not only the people that believe in Jesus are in, but the Gentiles are in? Holy smokes, that's a, that's a different deal. So he says, in that day, you're going to realize I'm in you, you're in me, and we're one. And then if you get to John 17, it says, 
that they all may be one. So Jesus is praying. He says, and that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you. So his oneness, he describes as I'm in you, you are in me. Everybody good so far? If you just follow that? So he says, we are one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. Not two, right? That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory, how much glory does God have? A lot, right? So what's really interesting, if you, uh, when Jesus goes into the temple and he, he cleanses the temple of unequal weights, a lot of people think that the story is about them selling birds and all this stuff, you know, because they were. They're selling doves, and depending on how rich you were is the, is the sacrifice you had to buy. So if you were poor, you got some doves, some little birds, right? But if you were wealthy, you had to get an ox, and, you know, so there's this equal scales. But if you really look at righteousness, Zedek, Melchizedek, Melchizedek is king, Zedek is equal weights. So when you look at righteousness, it's literally this thing. So the weight of God, his glory, his weightiness, and you are what weight? He's the king of equal weights. He goes, I'm cleansing the temple of any idea that you're less weighty than me, is what that whole story is about. Amen? And then he comes back out and he, and he curses the fig tree. And we don't need to get into all that. You guys heard me teach all that. But when you see the fig tree introduced, Adam and Eve were trying to do what with the fig leaves? Cover themselves. They're trying to do their own work. They're trying to do something uh, that they can't do. And they said, we're naked. And what was God's response? Who told you that? Isn't that interesting? So that's my question to all of you guys is, who told you that stuff? So anyway, you had to learn everything bad in Sunday school. <clears throat> You're born in perfection. You, you literally have to learn this stuff to, to not be in perfection, which is really interesting. So anyway, uh, that's what that equal weights is about. That his glory, his doxa, his weightiness is your weight. I, I hate unequal weights. I hate what you guys are teaching in that temple. Amen? And so he is the king of equal weights. You're weighty with him. So this is what this is saying. It says, they also may be one in us that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That, way, that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be what? Perfect in one. You may be perfect in one. Not you can be, not you can try to, you can, you are. Amen? So if you're in him and he's in you and you're one, how perfect are you? Now, did he give you a one-eighth glory or did he give you his glory? See, because of separation, that's what I'm trying to really get people to understand is this will really help in prayer when you get it. If Jesus walked in today and said, hey, you're healed, how excited would you be? You haven't made the connection that you and he are one. You can decide to say that to yourself at any time. Because if Jesus said it, we would all go, oh yeah, all creation would move and respond to that. You haven't realized that he's given you his glory. He's given you his oneness. Amen? Not two, one. So, we think that Christ is somehow bigger than us. We think that God is somehow bigger than us. We think that situations are bigger than us. But he says there's one spirit, there's one God, and you're one with me. Amen? So when you hear concept of Lord, when you hear concept of Yahweh, when you hear concept of Jesus, when you hear concept of glory, when you hear concept of blessing, Baruch, when you hear any of that, what's he talking about? He's talking about equal oneness, equal weights and measures. You're one with him. Two have become one. Are you a joint heir of Jesus Christ or not? Yes, we read all these scriptures, but we don't take them literally. We don't take them what they're really trying to say. So I, as I wrote in there, we think of Christ as bigger than ourselves. Don't most people? 
They might think, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, I've accepted him, and he jumped into my heart when I was 13 or whatever. And so <laughs> that's not what it says, but I, by the way, but fine. It says, I've given it to you. Amen? And they're one. Father, I'm in you. They're in me. I've given them my oneness. I've given them my glory. Amen? So when we're one with Christ, there's not, you're not something less than Christ. So you can't be a half. You can't be an eighth. If you're one, then how one are you? You've got to be one, right? Pretty simple concept, isn't it? All right. So now the glory which has given to Jesus has been given to us, so we may be one. And I've shared with that. I don't, I don't want to get too much into this, but the glory, if you go look at it, it's the word doxa in Greek. It's, it's weightiness. It's heaviness. It's, um, in Greek, it says, have a good opinion of. So he's got a good opinion of you. But then you'll see in Strong's, it'll actually say this, this word doxa is used in the Septuagint, uh, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, by the way. And this is kind of, I was just showing Barb some, some history. Here, here's a trick question. How many books are in the Bible? Depends on who you ask. For the first 1,600 years, how many books were there? 73. 73. Now, now they're finding the Dead Sea Scrolls. They're actually... But anyway, for, so here's what you need to understand. is Athanasius actually, actually originated, said, hey, you know what? We think these 73 are canon. Canon just meant the gold standard, like a measuring rod. Literally was what canon meant. If it fits these criteria, they're in. So Athanasius said there's 73. And then Gregory of Nazianzus, the second ecumenical council under Constantine in uh, 381 and 382, it would, right there you can go look. They approved the 73 books. Amen? And it was in every Bible for the first 1,600 years. And then Martin Luther didn't like seven of them. <laughs> so he put them in an appendix. They called the Apocrypha. The Protestants called them Apocrypha. It's still in the Eastern Orthodox Bibles, the original ones, and it's still in the Catholic Bibles. But it's not in ours. But for 1,600 years it was in ours. Wouldn't you be interested in what they say? If they were that scandalous that they had to take them out? It's a lot of this stuff. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty fascinating stuff. So anyway, so they just put them in an appendix that says, yeah, you know, these are books that we can read, but it's not really canon. And then in 1800, they just canceled it. Now, I'm not going to go into all this too, but if you want a really fun study, um, go look at deification, church fathers. I went through a bunch of them last week, and you can just find. So the original, the original first 400 years, um, this is what they taught. We became by grace what God is by nature. God became man so that we may become God. That was the central theme. It's still, it's still in the Orthodox central theme. It's actually still right in the, the Catholic catechisms. And then in 1300, roughly, the, the, church, the, the council in Vienna, the Western church, basically said, uh, we, just, we just declare that heresy from now on. So the first 1300 years, they taught this. Isn't that interesting? I'm not making this up. You can go find it anywhere. That's why I've learned to trust the Bible theologians, not the seminary guys. Seminary guys got it all messed up. Basically, I just don't trust you. <laughs> because it's wrong. It's just literally wrong. And this stuff is like so good when you get it. So anyway, glory, it says doxa in Greek, but then in the Septuagint, that word doxa is used for a different word called kavot. Kavot is weightiness. It's heaviness to God. Did I put this in the next slide? I don't remember. Uh, no, I'll, I'll just hurry through that then. And like, like I told you, it's really... It's kaf, bet, delet. And kaf is like the hand. It's this, the shape of the hand. But it literally means, as I've shown you over and over, it literally meant this. It's, 
the latent power to take any potential in the spirit and turn it into the physical. So cop is to, to bend and shape and mold and, and similar to uh, the word imagination in, in the Hebrew. So cough is the Latin power to take any possibility in the spiritual and turn it into the physical. And it's interesting, in Hebrew, it's the only letter that goes below the lines. Remember, in, in the grade school, you're learning how the color between the lines, and you're doing your alphabet, and you've got to go within the lines. Cough would, when it was at the end, they would put it down below the line, and it was symbolic of it reaches from the spiritual to the created being's physical. And it says what you do in the spiritual literally creates in the physical. Now, that's pretty interesting stuff, isn't it? So the, it takes the Latin power of the Spirit. Latin just means hidden. You can't see it, but there's this power in you that's hidden that you can take anything, any potential in the Spirit and turn it into the physical within the bet, the house, the tabernacle, where the tabernacle, where the tent, where the chamber. And that's your pathway, the let. He's given you that. He's given you that glory. Isn't that cool? That's why when we pray, it's not like, we're, we're going, oh, we're begging God. We're like, oh, he's given us this. Thank you, Father, that we can see it and know it's done. Amen? And it just happens. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Because if we had to figure it out, we couldn't figure it out. So, uh, let's see. You're not something less than Christ. You don't have a one-eighth of Christ. You don't have less glory than him. You're not less weighty than him. You have his glory. So, we all, have, we all would agree with this. Would you agree that God can do all things? Yeah, it says it. Well, you're one with him. So, how many things can you do? All, and I don't care what it is. That's what I'm trying to get across. Like if you're $100,000 in tax debt and you don't have a job, and you can go, thank you, Father, it's paid, and know that it's done, that's pretty cool, isn't it? That, that, that wins to me. That's, that's, now you're no longer earthly. Like Bishop Oyedipo would always tell me, he's like, Mike, you've lived among the humans too long, you've forgotten who you are. And that's what I would say with Christianity, you've forgotten who you are. You don't know you're one. He's given you his glory. Two have become one. It's mystery of Christ in the church is what Paul says in Ephesians. So <clears throat> if he's, and we, like I said, if Jesus said, this is how it's going to be, we all know that creation responds and does it. You haven't made the connection that you're one and he's given you his glory. You have this exact same ability. Amen? And it's not spooky or mysterious, is it? It's normal life. That's, that's what's really cool. So anyway, let's just move on here. This, uh, this, might, be, this might be really cool to you. So Yahweh, yud heh vav heh, this next slide, um, and it goes from right to left. If you want, it's that little yod. It's a little dot, literally, in Hebrew. And then hey, you, know, you hear a lot of people talk about hey is the letter of grace, the number five, and all these things, which is true. But it, we'll, we'll dig into a little bit deeper what grace means. And then vav is a, a nail or a connector, and, and then another hey, which is pretty interesting. But um, So think about how scandalous this would be if you were a Jew, and they thought yud heh vav heh was so sacred, they would get a new pen, they would dip it in new ink, but they wouldn't write the whole thing out because it was too holy. Lord, the word Lord, we translate it as Lord. If you go look at the New Testament, it'll be capital L-O-R-D, right? But in, in Hebrew, it's yud heh vav heh, Yahweh. So think about this, that uh, also Jesus comes on the scene and goes, hey, that God that you think is so holy that you don't even dare write its name because it's so holy, you're one with it. Woo! It got Jesus killed, right, in John 10. And so anyway, so when you hear Lord, are you one with him? You have to be if you're one with Jesus, if you're one with God, right? I'm just trying to get your mind to expand a little bit what the scriptures actually say. So anyway, Proverbs 3, trust in Yahweh, Lord, it's yud heh vav heh, with all your heart. If you go look up that word heart in the Hebrew, it'll say your inner man, your mind, or your heart. Okay? 
It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in what's in here. Okay? And lean not on your own understanding. If you go click on understanding in Hebrew, it says, what you perceive with your physical senses. So what's he trying to tell you to do here? Trust what goes on in here more than what you see physically. Amen? Trust in the Yahweh, yud heh with all your inner man. And don't rely on what you see with your physical senses, if you read it, how it's literally translated into English. In all your ways, submit to him. Who's the him he's talking about here right now? Yahweh, your inner man. Right? Trust in what goes on in there with all your heart, and he will make that dilet, that pathway straight. What's in here will make it straight. So, let's go into this yud heh So yud, that little dot, is literally the strength of the power of God to do work. It's like a hand. It says the strength of God to do work. Hey, it is the letter of grace, but here's why it's grace. It's, if you go look in Hebrew, it's literally an open window, meaning you get to choose what you picture. It's an open window, blank, right? So, and if, if you go look at it, it literally, there's all kinds of really cool descriptions of hey, but what it is, it literally says you get to choose what you view there, and whatever you view there, it's a symbolic of God's creative prayer to make what you see into physical reality. That's hey. Now that sounds like grace, doesn't it? That all creation responds to me so I don't have to do the work? Doesn't that sound like grace? That's pretty impressive, isn't it? In fact, if you read, I was reading a lot of the mystics, the early church spiritual guys, and this, this is the kind of stuff they would say. They would go, and we see this with Paul and Silas in jail and different things. So they would talk like this. They'd go, throw us in jail and throw away the key. You can't stop us from doing this. We'll soon be on the street. Bad to the bone to me. I love this stuff. Right now we're like, oh, you got sentenced to this many years in jail. Those guys were like, you can't keep us from this Latin power we this. If we see ourselves on the street, I don't care what the sense is. I don't care what the, the thing is. You can throw away the key and never let us out. We will show up on the street. Does it happen? Is it in scripture? That's early church. Isn't it different today? So different today. Jeez. Now we're like, don't do this. Don't eat that. Don't drink this. Don't touch that. Don't watch this. Good Lord. That is not the gospel. That is not what it was about. So, hey, was literally, you get to choose. Does this sound like I've set before you life and death? So choose life. It, it goes better. So then Vav is really interesting. Vav is a nail or a connector. And literally, it connects the, if you go look at it, it says it connects the abundance from above to below, the created creatures below. Where the heavens reach the earth, it's Yaakov, Jacob, the Vav. Within you is where heaven meets earth. That was the Vav. You starting to get something about Yudhe Vav already? It's pretty interesting. So then He is an open window of God's creative power. No. And what's really cool is if you take those last three letters, Hava, He Vav He, and I wrote on there, it's Strong's 1934. To become, be, come to pass, or I am. Whoa. When Moses is talking about, hey, when people ask, who sent me, what is God's response? I am that I am. That'll be my name forever. Holy smokes. That's pretty interesting when you look at it. So Hava was literally to be, to be in existence or I am. So when you add the Yod, the power of God, now I want to, I want to read you something about Yod because I just think this is really interesting. So the Hebrew letter Yod is the 10th. It's the 10th letter. And so 
Yod represents the creator. It's the single point in which all creation emerges, the single dot. Now, but listen to this. This is really interesting. Yod is a symbol of the Holy One, the creator. Since the holy name starts with Yod. <clears throat> and it's, Yod represents the idea of unity with multiplicity, which is, which is exactly Elohim. Elohim means Eloah, God. Yod Mem on the end means plural gods. In Genesis 1, Bereshut, Bara, Elohims. In the beginning, I put myself into all of you, yet we're one. That was Elohim. It's still that way today. It was unity within multiplicity of one whole that is comprised of parts. It's a single point, but its value is 10. <clears throat> there are many occurrences in the, in the world, but they all stem from one God, perfect and indivisible. In Yah, the multiplicity returns to unity. So think about this. If this, unless the seed falls to the earth, we always picture this as only Jesus, but in the symbology of, of Scripture, what's the earth? What's the garden? You and I, right? So think about this. Unless he goes to earth, he remains alone. But then when we step out of this earth suit, what do we return to? So here we're many parts, Elohim, right? But then we return to oneness, to unity. Isn't that interesting? Anyway, this is all original Hebrew. It's pretty, I think it's pretty cool, actually. But here's the, here's the Yad. It is the, it's the divine spark of life that is in every single being. It cannot be grasped. It's in every cell of your body. It causes everything to exist. It has no mass, no destiny, no time, no space. It is the power of the Spirit to govern and guide all matter in the material world. That's the Hebrew letter Yod. Isn't that interesting? So now if we take this in, literally Yod is the strength of the power of God with no beginning, no end, no time or space. I always am. I always will be Jesus. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Before Abraham was, I am. Right? You guys are getting this all wrong, you Hebrew scholars, you. You tell me you knew Abraham? Yeah, before Abraham I was. Because you guys have got this all wrong. I'm the God of the living. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. Now this was pre-cross. So were they alive or not? Was Jesus lying or was, were, they, were they accurate? Was your Bible school right or is Jesus right? It's a tough one, isn't it? A lot of you guys go, my Bible school is right. <laughs> so Jesus says pre-cross that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are alive. Oh, you better check your theology on this one. Amen? Am I making this up? He's saying, they're always been. You guys have got this thing wrong, right? So anyway, so literally, yud heh vav heh. The Lord is, he goes, trust the Lord with all your inner man. So what is yud heh vav heh? If we take it literally, just I'll just do it before even I summarize it here. Yod is the strength of, and power of God. There's no existence, no end. And it literally is the spirit to govern and guide the matter of all material world. It's the strength of God. Hey, is an open window. You get to choose what you put in it. And it's the creative power of God. Whatever you choose to look at, Vavs, connects me to whatever I choose to look at. Trust in that with all your heart. And don't trust on what you see. Trust in what you see within. And it'll connect you to what you see within. You'd hey, Vav, hey. Isn't that fascinating? pretty fascinating to me. So literally, it's God's creative strength and power which attaches you, vavs you, to what you choose to see within. It's the ladder in Jacob's ladder, like we were talking about. It's within you. The strength of God to become, or I am. So, if there's something that's going on in your life and you don't like it, what would be a good response? Don't trust in your own understanding. Take your eyes off this 
And how many things are available to God? All. So, what would you choose to see? What would that event, what would you choose to make it look like? This is all we do in prayer. We don't, we don't, in fact, let me read something to you. Um, How much time I got? Yeah, I I got a few minutes here. So, I read this the other night. This is Greg Braden's uh, The Secrets of the Lost Mode of Prayer. It's really interesting. What I like about this stuff is, once you get that, there's nothing out of creation that's not within him, right? Which is all scriptural. <clears throat> so he goes all over these places, and he, and, he, uh, and he talks to yogis. He talks to these guys. You know, he's, it's, it's really fascinating. He talks to the Christians, obviously, and he talks to everybody. But to, in this particular case, in fact, um, some of you guys have heard him talk about this. Where there's this, When he went to Tibet, he was asking the, the abbot there. It's like at 16,000 feet or whatever. He was sharing the story, and it's like freezing cold and whatever. Because when you go in there, there's literally uh, handprints all over in this rock cave. Literally, it's a mountain that he's in. And he was trying to teach them that what's in you, the latent power of the Spirit, the cough within you, has the ability to change and mold anything physical. That's the glory that's been given to you. And so when he wanted to teach his students that this wall is not really here. Like we're going, blah, 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 blah. our brain's like, what? Right? He goes, don't trust what you see with your physical senses, your own understanding, trust within. And when he wanted to show him that, he would literally put his hand through the wall. And there's all these handprints all over the thing. And he, he shares the one where he says, I went into one, and I put my hand in, and it went all the way up to my elbow. And he goes, now, if you hit it with your knuckles, it's pure rock. But you see all these imprints. that he's going, it's not there. And uh, you know what made me think of Stephen Kath? I don't remember this, but Chuck Buzzy, remember? He did the demonstration... Um, he was Ted Nugent's bodyguard. You know who Ted Nugent is? The Motor City Madman, you know, Cat Scratch Keeper, all that stuff. Uh, we actually listened to that in this church. But. <laughs> so I remember this so clearly. It was one of my first meetings that we went to. So he's a bodyguard. I mean, he's, he's fit, but he doesn't look like this big, beefy thing, does he? He like, looks like kind of a normal guy. But he's, I forget what he was, but he's like eight-time national champion, whatever, karate type. I don't remember what he is. But I remember he did this demonstration. He goes, you know, as a bodyguard, we, we have to not stick out necessarily. And, and, uh, and he goes, we, we want to do things in ways that we don't get in trouble, right? And so I remember he takes out these five, uh, five boards. You know how you see him break boards, etc. And he's talking about how, this, how your heart's within you and you've got to trust your heart and all these different things. And he goes, so now as a bodyguard, we need to know how to hit you and leave no mark. And so I'm like, what's he, what's he getting at here? So he's got these four, four uh, boards and all of a sudden he goes, now watch this. And he does his you know, big yell and everything else and he hits these boards and it looks like nothing happens. And he goes, you guys don't understand. Your heart's th- two inches below your, your flesh here. And I can break whatever board you tell me. So he peels them back. He goes, he, he, he breaks the third board in. He goes, but I can break the first board, I can break the second board, I can break the third board, I can break the fourth board. Whatever one you want me to tell you, and it won't leave a mark on your flesh. I'm going, that's pretty cool stuff, isn't it? And he goes, all I did is I saw my hand where it wanted to be, not breaking that first board. These guys do this stuff. It's just, I, I love this stuff because it's human nature. It's, I love the, I'm fascinated by what we can do, the body and different things. So anyway, here's, so he's talking about this guy, this Indian in Mexico, and if some of you guys have read some of his other stuff, 
He went and prayed rain. He prayed rain. Now he, he explains this. So it was down by Taos, New Mexico, and it was, and uh, he was taught by his ancient fathers, the Indians and everybody else. And so he goes, we go to this place, and he goes, I wasn't prepared for what I saw next. I watched David remove his shoes, place his naked feet in the circle, honor the four directions and all his ancestors. Slowly he paced his hands in front of his face in a praying position, oblivious to the heat of the midday sun. So it's hot, it's desert, it's nothing going on. <clears throat> if you've ever been down there, it's, it's desert climate like this. Uh, after only a few minutes, he took a deep breath, opened his eyes, looked at me and said, let's go, our work's finished. I was expecting him to see dancing or, because he's going to pray for rain. Pray rain, pray rain. And it'll make sense here in a minute. Or at least some chanting. I was surprised at how quickly his prayer began. I, and then I asked, already? I asked, I thought you were going to pray for rain. David's reply to my question has been the key that has helped so many understand this kind of prayer. As he sat on the ground to lace up his shoes, David looked up at me and smiled. No, he replied. I said we would pray rain, not pray for rain. This is huge, guys, if you understand this. If I prayed for rain, it would never happen. Later in the day, David explained what he meant in this statement. He began, he began by describing how the elders of his village had shared the secrets of prayer with him when he was little. The key, he said, is that when we ask for something to happen, we give power to what we do not have. Meaning, I'm praying for rain, I'm praying for healing, I'm praying for finances, I'm praying for my family, I'm praying for my marriage, right? Prayers for healing empower the sickness. Praying for rain actually empowers the drought. Continually to ask for things only gives more power to the idea that you don't have them. Amen? I think about David's words often and what they could mean in our lives today. If we pray for world peace, for example, <clears throat> we're actually feeding a tremendous anger to, towards those who lead us in war, or even war itself. We are, an inadvertently be, we are an inadvertently fueling the very conditions that lead to the opposite of peace. With half the world's nations now engaged in armed conflict, I often wonder what role millions of well-intentioned, prayer, well-intentioned prayers for peace, for peace each day may be playing, and how a slight shift in perspective would change everything. Looking back at David, I asked, if you didn't pray for rain, then what did you do? He simply replied, I began to have the feeling of what rain feels like. I felt the feeling of rain on my body, what it feels like to stand with my feet in the mud of our village plaza, because there's been so much rain. I smelled the smell of rain on the earthen walls in our village and felt what it feels like to walk through a field of corn chest high because there's been so much rain. He was engaging all the senses, the hidden powers of thought, feeling, emotion within that set us apart from all life forms. Reacher has shown that it's precisely this quality of gratitude and appreciation that I already have it that releases the life-affirming chemistry of powerful hormones, strengthens our bodies and our immune systems. It's these chemicals that change within us that quantum effects carry beyond our bodies. <clears throat> Whatever you're thinking of, rather than asking for it, feel it as though it's real, as if it's already happened. Breathe deeply. Feel the fullness of your prayer fulfilled in every detail in every way. Now listen to this. Now feel the gratitude for what your life is like if that prayer was already answered. How would you feel? That's why we always ask, how do you feel? What would it feel like if Jesus walked in and say, it said, hey, that 100,000 plus debt, it's gone. How would you feel? Because so I would just feel that every time I'm going on a walk. With no job. Right? <laughs> and it happened. Faster than you trying to pay it off. Right? You not having to pay it and somebody paying it off is that faster than you trying to pay it off. In this case, it was faster. Right? Note the, so he says, now feel the gratitude for your life is like as if your prayer is already answered. Note the ease and the release that from giving thanks. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that I have that. From giving thanks rather than the longing and yearning that comes from asking God for help. 
It makes you feel helpless. The subtle difference between the ease and longing is the power that sets asking apart from receiving. Amen? Does that help you? Believe you have received it, past tense, aorist tense is what it says in Greek, and you will. You have received it. So he was experiencing the rain. He says, if there's not a cloud in the sky, 30 minutes later it starts to pour. Our work's done here, he said. Amen? Now, do we see this in Scripture? He says, yeah. He says, think about James in these different books. He says, even though he had like passions as us, is what he's talking about prayer. He said, meaning he's, he's, he's got all crazy emotions and doubts and fears just like us. Yet he asked for the sun not to, to happen. And what happened? He stopped it. And he goes, pray like that. The, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Doesn't he say that? Are you righteous? Yes. You're, you're, how much righteousness, how much balance are you? How much glory do you have? Melchizedek, righteousness, the perfect balance. You're perfectly righteous, amen? You can be in the middle of sinning, being a bad boy or girl. Well, that's how you guys can conceptualize sin, and your prayer will be answered. Hallelujah. And if you don't believe me, just look at Hollywood or Rockstar, <laughs> right? All they do is see it. That's really interesting. So does this help you? I'm trying, all right, let's get to this last page, and we'll let's finish this up. So, all right, I've, I've kind of covered all of this a little bit, but I really want you to think about this. Because of separation, we've made Lord, Yahweh, glory, Barak. We've made it outside of us. And he goes, you're one with it. You're one with it. So I just wrote some things in here. And I do this a lot with people. I go, you know what? If Jesus walked in and, and said, the, what you've asked for, you're completely healed if you're struggling with it. Uh, or, you know what, Lord, I'm trying to, oh, man, I wish I could pay my bills or have all this. And he comes in and he goes, you're fabulously wealthy. How would that feel? Feel different than begging, scrambling, scratching, trying to get it, right? So if he comes, I said, you're fabulously wealthy. Or I just wrote this because I've taken care of that legal problem for you. Amen? I've had so many friends that when we teach them how to do this, I go, don't try figure it out. Do not try figure it out. Yeah, but I'm guilty. (laughs) Don't try figure it out, (laughs) right? It's like, don't trust on what you see in your own understanding, your five physical senses, right? That's where I've taught before. I said the natural man, the flesh man, is, as Esau in Scripture, is trapped by reason. This doesn't make sense. I don't believe this. You know, it's the typical prayer chain. Pray for me. That's Esau. You're, you're basing all your emotions on what you see out here. Because, but trust Yahweh. Yahweh is the power of God that what you see within attaches yourself to what you've been seeing. Which is, in essence, quantum physics. They can't figure out how it works. They just go, here's quantum physics. If you expect something to happen when you observe it, it becomes. The minute you take your eyes off, it unbecomes. In short, thoughts become things. So think on good things. Doesn't this sound very scriptural too? So anyway, so we take, and it takes some effort, I get it. It takes some getting used to, to go, man, everything, the world's crashing down. It's this and that, but I love the early guys. Hey, you can throw me in jail, throw away the key, and I'll soon be out on the street. How? They weren't worried about how. That's the whole point. They go, if I see myself out on the street, all creation changes at the exact same time and I'm out on the street. We know not how. Amen? Just as how, how in the world, yeah, the, where you're going to go interview, he's going to pay off your $100,000 debt. Well, who thinks of that? Nobody, right? At least I don't think. Usually you're going, I need a job because I need to do this. And he's like, I need a job. Oh, by the way, I'm going to pay off your debt. <laughs> 
<laughs> See, he wasn't focused on how it was going to happen. He was focused on as if I already had it. Does that help you? So anyway, that's why I just wrote that because a lot of people are going through different things and I don't care what it is. In fact, there was just one this last week and they're pretty nervous about it. I was like, I don't know how it works. I just know it works. So see the end case, how you would like it to be. Sure enough, boom. Amen? So there's just some people going through some stuff. So I wanted to include that in there. It doesn't have to make sense. You have the Latin power in the spirit to change any potential. Is a potential that you could be completely let off legally? Then focus on that and it'll become. It never fails. I don't even care if it looks like a setback. If it goes, oh man, this happened. You just focus on what you desire to happen and I promise you it will happen. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corner in the ear. But it will happen whatever you stay focused on. And I got to tell you what, if you stay focused on that, your emotions stay in check too. If, you, if you're enjoying the prayer as if it's already done and enjoying this, uh, whatever I wrote here, enjoying your, your profound health, enjoying your fabulous wealth, what would fabulous wealth feel like to you? You know, we sing Revelation song where it says honor, glory, power, all these different things. And he says, you've been given all these things, honor and glory and power and riches. The five things in Revelation 5 or how many are in there? Seven, I don't remember. Who's he talking to? You. Revelation 1 says the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Well, it says when you can see Jesus without a veil, the Spirit himself transforms you into that image. Amen? So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's interesting. Athanasius, who originated the first 73, even when he died, he says Esther and Revelation shouldn't be in canon. Revelation was added later. You guys know that. And that's caused so much damage to people. We get all these books out of Colorado Springs that... Come on, guys, really? You're going you're to get zapped out of your car? Really? What are you talking about? Who thinks of that? <laughs> right? And I promise you, when it was written to the people at the time, they weren't going, oh, I bet he's talking about something 2,000 years from now. They knew what it was about. They knew what it was about. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. So we can get into that later, but if you really want to understand Revelation, go get Francois' Mirror Bible, the new one. He, he gives about that much in Revelation. Thankfully, he does it because... I don't want to do it. All I, I focus on the end. It says, everything's going to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone and be tormented day and night, forever and ever. Oh, that sounds bad, doesn't it? But if we read John, it says, if there's any torment, we haven't been perfected in love. Because perfect love casts out all fear because fear has the idea of torment. So if you still have fear, you don't have perfect love. So what is that all talking about? So when you get at the end of the Revelation, it says this. The false prophets, the 666 system, the false system. What was the false system? It was religion. That's what he's talking about, the false prophet. All you guys, you guys are thieves. You're stealing from people what's already theirs by birth. You're making them earn what's theirs for free. So he says this, he says, the false prophet, everything bad is thrown into the lake of pure. It's the Greek word pure, where it's, if you go look at it, we've given the devil fire, right? But who's got the refining fire? Jesus is what it says. So to a Hebrew, the fire was always something that purifies. And it literally says that. When you look in the Greek, it says, everything bad is going to be thrown into the lake of purification. It's the Greek word pure. And it literally says, it, whatever it touches, it transforms itself into the same image. Well, if it's the purity of God, here's what Paul says. When you see him face to face, the Spirit himself transforms you into the same image. The same language is carried into Revelation. So all this false stuff, all this negative stuff is thrown into the lake of purification. And it's literally God himself. 
So if it's thrown into God himself, and the definition is it purifies and turns into whatever it touches, what is anything false being turned into? Truth, God, love, right? In brimstone, uh uh-oh, this is a bad one. Sodom and Gomorrah. Go go look at it. Brimstone. It says theon. Anybody know what theon is? Theos, which is translated as Curios in Greek, the Supreme Lord. So it's it's thrown into the fire of purification, which transforms anything it touches into itself, the spirit. And theon, God's presence. Brimstone. It says incense, divine incense that purifies. Holy smokes. Okay, we're getting somewhere, right? (laughs) But this torment day and night, that sounds really bad. Okay, let's look at it. Torment. From the root, basanos, a touchstone to test the purity of metals. You're getting what it's saying. Anything bad is going to be thrown into God's presence, the fire. Paul says everybody's going to go through the fire. Right? Thank God we're going to go through the fire because it burns up all the chaff, the wood, hay, and the stubble. Anything, anything that can be burned... We're thrown into purification. Anything it touches, it transforms it into itself. The brimstone has a divine purifying effect like incense. And we're going to be tested for purity forever and ever. Then we get to the end and it says, And the spirit and the bride say, Come, the gates are open forever. Come on in whenever you want, older brother. Isn't that interesting? Man, if people could interpret Revelation, they'd actually get excited. So, but it is the revelation of Jesus. You can't take revelation and then mess it all up and go, well, the unveiling of Jesus, all through Scripture says, when we are unveiled, our heart will be healed. But it says, when you're still preaching the law, what's still there? The veil. As soon as the veil's gone, you mean I didn't have to do all those things in order to be pleasing to God? No, you were by grace. Hallelujah. Amen? All right. So, <clears throat> so what do you want? <laughs> Let's finish this in the next two minutes. So what do you want? When you realize you and the Father are one, when you realize, do you have the mind of Christ? Christ means what? The anointed one, the Messiah. So you have the, every thought you have is anointed. Now that gets a little scary. So therefore think good thoughts because even your negative thoughts that are anointed are going to do what? Come to be. I am that I am, right? Yudhe vavhe is that what's in you, it literally becomes what you see. So if, you're, if your mind is spinning and all these negative things, that well, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen, don't go there. Don't go there. Go, you know what? I choose life. I'm going to choose how I want it to be. And in ways we know not how, we connect the harvest. That's what it says. That's trust in the Lord with all your heart, not what you see with your senses. So when you get that, so the legal case, what would be the best thing to, to look at? I mean, a, a dear friend of mine, he was... He was, they, he was all the attorneys, everything said, you, you got X amount of months. This is what you're going to get, period. The government's going to make an example out of you. I'm like, bro, I don't know how it works. I just see you free. You guys have heard me talk about this. And so he literally bought a one-way ticket to the sentencing because he thought he was going to go. And he calls me just weeping, just tears of joy. <laughs> he goes, bro, all I got was a $1,500 fine. I go, I told you. I told you, man. Now get out of there before they change their mind. So we got into a little fear all of a sudden. Like, get, leave, run. Run for us. Get out of there, right? Before they come change their mind. And Isn't that cool, though? 
Everybody, the attorney, his attorney, everybody's going, this is what's going to happen. We know not how. We have the cough within us, the ability to, the Latin power of the Spirit to take any potential. Is a potential to only, to not get any time? Is that a potential? Yeah, all potential. Anything available, right? So choose that. Does that help you? So could you, uh, like I've shared with you multiple times, like Africa changed me in a good way about, the, about who we really are. It was not, none of it was by grace, but it showed me what was real. And I've showed you that before. Is, you know, here we get all into the medical and that, well, the doctor says, and, blah, 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 blah. and that lady is up there and she goes, you know, I've, I have my uterus removed, and, and, uh, but I really want to have a baby. And I, I, you guys have heard me say this. It sounds mean if you hear it from a Western mind like these guys. He goes, do you want a uterus or do you want a baby? Make up your mind. She goes, don't I need most? No. Is it, is it a possibility to have a baby without a uterus? It did. It happened. <laughs> so he goes, do you want a uterus or do you want a baby? Oh, then I see you with a baby. We saw her nine months later. That's pretty cool stuff, is it not? That's pretty cool stuff. You don't know who you are. Amen? If Jesus says, I don't care about your uterus, no uterus, but you're going to have a baby, would you get excited? You haven't made the connection that you two are one yet. You can say the exact same thing. Amen? Because my words are like his words. I am a son, and if I'm a son, I carry the same weight as the father. That was Hebrew. You getting this? So you start to get you excited about prayer? So we take our eyes off here. We lean not on what we see with our physical senses, and we just see within. Amen? Now, here's what's cool. This is where quantum physics is showing this that I think is just really cool. It says, anything that's attached. Well, if all creation came out of him, we're all attached. And science proves this over and over and over right now. Einstein's, all these all these things that Einstein goes, I don't understand it. I just know what happens. And he calls it spooky action at a distance. Meaning this, this is what's so cool. Ashley and I could look at each other once, and you can go watch all these. The military does a lot of this stuff. They, they send you 500 miles away. They put a light in my pupil, and her pupil dilates the exact same moment, no time. That means everything is connected by this mysterious thing. They call it the matrix. They don't know what it is. We know what it is. It's God. It's his spirit. Amen? Isn't that cool? So here's what's really cool. When you really get Colossians 1, there's not anything that's created that's outside of him. So are we all connected? Yeah, that's what it says, right? Does Jesus say that? Yeah. You're all my body. All of you are one body, doesn't he? We're all one. Jesus says all this stuff. Religion tells you the different thing. But he goes, you're all one. That means when we pray, we know that what we do, that's part of my body. If my body's hurting, we can see how I want my body to be, treat my neighbors as myself, and it'll happen without their permission. It's, it's easier, isn't it? Like, we like to go, I like to pray when they don't know we're praying because then they start getting into their religious stuff. Oh, I believe you're see Like, just stop already. We'll just see it as done, and it'll be done. Amen? That's how simple it is. Now, if, that, if it's that simple, is that by grace? That's pretty easy stuff. So when you really get that all creation is connected, everything that is is within one spirit. And this is what's so cool. The minute you make a decision about this is how I want life to be, this is how I want my health to be, this is how I see my relationships to be, this is how I see my wealth to be, this is how I see my whatever to be, all creation starts to respond at the exact same moment. Now, don't try to figure out when. He says, you know what? We know not how or when, but you planted the seed. Now go to sleep. And the seed itself has everything in it to draw it what it needs to take it from any potential in the spiritual to make it real in the natural. It never fails. Amen? God bless you guys. Does that help? Is that easy prayer then? So, just see what you want and stay there.
Don't start trying to figure it out. Just go, thank you, Father. And if we really got that if Jesus did it, it would work, you are one. He's given you his glory. Amen? So when you do it, it works. Praise God. All right, you can get to your feet. Sorry, I went a little longer, but I wanted to get this to you because, oh, man, there's people living in it like nobody's business right now. It's so fun. Amen? How would it feel to be fabulously wealthy? Wouldn't that be fun? Well, he's given you his riches, so is that pretty fabulous? <laughs> it's pretty fun. Amen? So you just have to accept it that it's real. Thank you, Father. You see yourself how you desire it in ways we know not how it comes to pass in your life. That's cool. So we can pray for somebody and go, if Jesus would see it this way, then we know that all creation responds to it. So guess what? He's given me his glory. We are one. I have yud Vavhe within, and I can trust in all my heart, my inner man, what I'm doing within, knowing that it'll change the physical. Amen? That's called freedom. That's called living in grace. So, Father, we just thank you. We love you. We praise you. We magnify you. Just thank you for these beautiful truths that are just hidden in your scriptures and, and who you are. And they're all there for us to see at any time when we're willing to open our eyes. And so, Father, just can ask to continue to just show people who they really are. Just open their eyes to these beautiful truths that they've always been loved. They're completely blessed. They have your glory. Before they've even asked, you've responded yes. They cannot be any other way. In Jesus' magnificent name, amen, amen, amen. Um, I got some cool testimonies about Inspire 100 I'll do next week. But if you want to give, you can give or online. Just thank you for what we do. We're, we're starting a lot of different house churches and stuff all over. So it's making a big difference, amen? So God bless you guys.